0: Tonight we're going to look at three characters, and the first one will be a character that started out good and finished bad. The second character will be one that started out bad and finished good. The third character uh, has been given every opportunity to start out good and finish good, and uh, I hope that's the way that one ends. But let's get right into it, and let's turn to First Kings 11. We'll read verses 1 through 13. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. And this is a man that, uh, as you know, God had given extraordinary knowledge, wisdom, uh, more money than probably anybody has ever owned. And uh, this is how his life finished up. Verse 2, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon, because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded, commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Uh, let's get started with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, we uh, we just love to to learn more about you, Lord. Um, and I just pray that you would give in every one of us a desire to study your word uh, and to love the things that you love, Lord. Help us to uh, seek after your will for our lives. Uh, I just pray that you would be with each person here who's made the effort to come out on a Wednesday night. Uh, we know a lot of a lot of people are going through struggles in life, Lord. And I just pray that you would cover those right now. Um, just be with us this week and help us to keep you front and center in everything we do. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know it's really easy to uh, to to hammer on a guy like Solomon when you read this. Um, you know I, he was given so much. He was given wealth. He was given women. He was given a kingdom, and yet he kind of threw it all away and finished uh, very weakly. And it says his heart did not father, follow after God like his father David's. Uh, David, you know, committed a lot of sins. Uh, he did a lot of wrong things, but the Lord said that he has, a, he has a heart like mine. But that wasn't the case with Solomon. So he started out good, and he finished bad. And we're not going to dwell on the, this too long, um, but just think about how you want to finish your life. Do you want to start out bad? Some of us have started out bad, probably. Uh, maybe drugs or bad marriages or whatever it is, and we've struggled. But you have the opportunity to finish, to finish strong. Unlike Solomon, and uh, so now we're going to look at a second character, which is in Second Chronicles thirty-three one through twenty. It's one that's not quite as well known. Some of you may have have heard of him, and his name was Manasseh. And this guy was so evil that every king that did evil after him, they likened it into Manasseh. They said that he followed the ways of Manasseh. Um, let's read verses 1 through 20. And when you're reading this, think about your own life and all the things that God has given you and what you've done with it. And all the. I want you to really key in when we read verse 7. Uh, what, What kind of idols have you put in place of God? So let's read verses 1 through 20. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He raised up altars for the bales and made wooden images, and he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, "'In Jerusalem shall my name be forever.'" And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also he caused his sons to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft and sorcery, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He even set a carved image, the idol which he had made, in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever." And I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land which I have appointed for your fathers, only if they are careful to do all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Quite a legacy there, isn't it? But let's continue. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon him the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed to him, and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. After this he built a wall outside the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley as far as the entrance of the fish gate, and it enclosed Ophel, and he raised it to a very great height. Then he put military captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. He took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he cast them out of the city. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed on the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, his prayer to God, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Indeed, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. Also his prayer and how God received his entreaty in all his sin and trespass and the sites where he built high places and set up wooden images and carved images before he was humbled. Indeed, they are written among the saints of Hosea. So Manasseh rested with his fathers and they buried him in his own house. Then his son Ammon reigned in his place. This guy did just about everything imaginable uh, to to make God mad. I mean, he... uh, did everything that the Lord had said do not do. It was like he went right down the list one after another and uh, determined that he was going to do everything he could uh, to rebel against uh, the Lord. But what happened? The Lord let some bad things happen to him and he was able to to repent. The Lord allowed him to come back, claim his kingdom, and uh, he finished very strong. He got rid and he he turned 180 degrees from the way he was going. Uh, And so no matter how how bad we think we've been or whatever, we have the opportunity to turn 180 degrees and we always have that opportunity no matter what point of your life you're in. Um, whether you're young, old, have done a lot of bad things, you've got the opportunity to repent. You have the opportunity to to start anew. Um, like they say, this day is the first day of the rest of your life and there's nothing God likes better than someone who has repented and come out of a situation like that. Um, and I just i always like that story of Manasseh to realize that how bad he was. And God was still giving him the opportunity to uh, to turn around. Well, this third character I would just as soon not talk about because some of the things that I've done, the times when my heart hasn't been right before the Lord, it's embarrassing. All that God has given me. I don't know everybody here tonight, so um, I guess you'll know me after this a little bit. <laughs> but I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I accepted the Lord when I was 16 years old. I really don't think there was ever a time when I wasn't going to heaven. Um, I loved Jesus, and when he called me, I responded. But even with all that, everything he gave me, every advantage. Uh, Ryan, he was uh, making fun the other day a little bit about how everybody says their their uncle was a Baptist minister. I'm going to one-up him. I have two uncles who were Baptist ministers. (laughs) I'm going to one-up that. I have a dad who was a Baptist minister. And I had every advantage to start out strong, to continue strong, and to finish strong. And how many times have I screwed that up? Um, you know, A lot of times I've, I've looked good on the outside. Nobody knew what my heart was like, and inside my heart was just really messed up. I had an anger problem, and I had an incident that happened that, that cured me somewhat of that, but I've always had to deal with it. Um, a follow-up on anger is language. I've struggled with language. And why? And it's The root of all this is is pride. It's when I put myself first before Jesus, and I think I know more than He does. I've struggled with negative attitudes. I remember as a kid, you know, my my mom and dad just not even knowing what to do with me because I had such a negative attitude. Um, I've made lots of big decisions without consulting God first. I got married when I was 20, and it wasn't a good decision because you know what? I'm not sure that I really knew what I was doing, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions that I ever made, but it wasn't because of me. God gave me a wife who stuck with me for 18 years. So he took one of my my worst decisions of making a huge decision without him and uh, turned it around, just like he did for Manasseh. He's given me five great kids out of that marriage, but it was all because of him. None of it was because of me, not one little bit. I still struggle with stuff. You guys ever been watching a movie and there's a sex scene? I struggle with that. I don't want to turn it off. And it's embarrassing to admit that to you because all that God has given to me and I still want to put my flesh in front of him how do I overcome that? How do I overcome my pride when I want to put myself first in front of Jesus Christ? Chuck Smith, I was reading a commentary of his and he said he made a deal with God that when he starts putting himself first and taking the credit for what, God has done, for what God has done in his life that God's supposed to just take him right there. We've got to get out of the way and let Jesus rule our lives. We're going to struggle with this stuff. You guys might struggle with something totally different. I don't know what you struggle with. You might struggle with a bad marriage. I was raised in a family. I counted it up the other day, 60 marriages from my two sets of grandparents down, 60 marriages, one divorce. I've never had to struggle with divorce. That's not something I struggle with. I haven't had to deal with it in my family, certainly not with me and my wife. But you guys might have to deal with it, and that's a huge struggle. And my heart goes out to anybody who's going through that. Maybe you have a child that's turned away from God. I haven't had to go through that one, but that's a huge one. And sometimes I think we make the gospel too difficult or too complicated than what it really is. And tonight, I want to encourage everybody to simplify it a little bit. There's nothing wrong with studying end times. I love, that's probably my favorite subject. There's nothing wrong with studying salvation by grace alone. There's nothing wrong with studying a book of the Bible. We we have to do that stuff. But let's not make it more complicated than it is. Let's turn to Matthew 22. Let's read verses 35 through 40. Then one of them, being the Pharisees, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And you all know the answer. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And I think we could take those two verses Verse 37, verse 39, and you just plaster those right across your heart and you won't have any problems making the right decision. If every decision you made was based on you loving God, you loving Jesus as the center of your life, and you loving other people, you're going to make the right decision. How about when your kids are just going crazy and you're not sure what to do? You know, we can't all be PhDs in child psychology. A lot of times we make the wrong decisions with our kids. I know I do, way too frequently. But there's one thing my kids can't doubt, and that's that I love them. Tell your kids you love them. If your kids know that you love them, I think God's going to cover the rest. He's going to cover all your mistakes. But love them and teach them to love Jesus. How about your wife? When you come home and she's nagging, my wife doesn't do that. But for those of you, of she does. If you, return, uh, if you reply to her and take into consideration that you love Jesus and that you love her, what kind of reply are you going to have for her? Are you gonna scream and yell back? Probably not. How about others? You know, people can get really irritating. You know, they, they always wanna use your stuff. But if you love them and you love Jesus, are you gonna let them use your stuff? It's not yours anyway if you love Jesus. It's all his, money. If, if you love that more than you love Jesus. You know, it's 1 John 5.3, three says, his commands are not burdensome. And they're not, they're liberating. If all the money you have is not yours, it's God's, it's easy to give it away to give some to the church, to give some to your neighbor that has not quite as much money as you do and, and has some bills to pay. It's God's money. So if you love Jesus and you love others, you'll make the right decision, and you won't be attached to your money. You could go right down the list with every decision that we have to make in life. And I wish I could say that I followed my own advice, but I don't a good bit of the time. I struggle with those decisions just like you do. You know, I have my own bills to pay. Why should I give somebody else money? The church doesn't need my 10%. I need to pay that phone bill. They're going to shut off my phone if I don't. But the Lord wants, first and foremost, our heart. And if He has our heart, uh, our money will follow. He says that He'll take care of all our needs according to His riches and glory. We must coincide our will with Jesus' will. And to do that, we have to love Him above all else and love others. How are you going to respond to the bum out on the street? Don't respond until you think that this is somebody I love. And what's more, Jesus loves Him. Augustine said, Become a Christian and then do whatever you want. Think about it. Is our will coincided with Jesus? Because we'll do whatever we want, if it is. Because His will will be what we want. Mark Twain said, love the job you have and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's true. If our will is aligned with God, we're not gonna have to struggle with that stuff. It's when our will, we try to pry our priorities away from God's that we get into trouble and we put ourselves first. I've been given every opportunity, raised in a Christian home. I go to a great church, I fellowship with some great people, but I still make bad decisions. And i got to s- strive harder to, to let God take over my life. Actually, I don't have to st- strive at all. I have to just do it, get out of the way and let God take over. And my encouragement to everybody tonight is to just, just get out of the way. I realize that the one song that we sang tonight said we're only here for a little while or something. It's just a little while. Think about eternity. Think how long that's going to be. Man, it is going to be awesome. Um, I just thank every one of you guys that are an encouragement to me. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work with Anthony lately, and um, it's great. The other day, he made a comment: "My life's not my own, so it just really doesn't matter about a problem." I was like, "Man, that's that's a cool attitude." Um, just thanks for the encouragement that you guys are to me, and keep it up. And feel free to keep me accountable, and look to others around you to keep accountable. Go to two forty two groups. It's a great accountability. And when you do struggle with problems, tell somebody. We have prayer every Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. You can come early and pray with us. We pray at 6.30 on Wednesday nights and 8.30 on Sunday mornings. We have prayer teams up here afterwards. Take advantage of that. But most of all, first and foremost, keep Jesus first in your life and love the people around you. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity tonight, Lord, to to share. And I, I just pray that... Uh, you would encourage all of us, Lord, as we go through struggles, uh, as we go through things in our lives, Lord, where we don't know what to do. I just pray that we would be able to get out of the way and let you take over and run our lives for us, Lord, because we're not capable. It's good when we struggle with our, our insufficiencies, Lord, and the times when we feel we've lost control, because uh, it's at those times when we let you take control and run our lives like they should be ran. I just pray for everyone here tonight, Lord. Just uh, pray that your Holy Spirit would would guide and direct each one. Be with those that couldn't be here tonight. Uh, be with Ryan and the others as they they travel home. Just pray that you would give them uh, safety and bring them home again to us. I just pray that you would uh, help us deal with us individually, Lord. Uh, We love you and praise you for being such a great and awesome God, and we look forward to spending eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen.